smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hi i'm satya santanam from mint's personal finance team i'm back with yet another interesting topic why flagship mf schemes don't always deliver mutual fund schemes delivering strong performance with good distribution and selling eventually become flagship products of a mutual fund house but not all flagship schemes or the star funds can sustain their outperformance in long run there could be various reasons for it the external market conditions not favoring the style adopted by the fund house could be one reason to discuss about it at length we have arun kumar head of research at funds india let's welcome him hi welcome to why not mint money a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth so let's get started on your money journey hello arun welcome to why not mint money we appreciate you joining in today hey hi uh, satya thank you uh, so much for having me on the show great arun in this episode i want to talk about the flagship mutual fund schemes in the past and uh, how they have been performing um so let's start with the you know very basic question so when does a mutual fund scheme become a flagship product yeah uh, uh, to be to be honest there is no precise definition of a, a flagship uh, fund scheme but but usually there are these uh, three conditions that that generally happen that there are certain mutual fund schemes which uh, deliver significant uh, outperformance be it vis-a-vis their uh, benchmark and also with respect to their peers so this will be the first condition then second then then the amc also does a lot of marketing uh, distribution and selling around this this fund and eventually uh, investors start noticing the fund and this fund garners uh, a lot of aum and there's this uh, uh, there's a significant growth in aum for this particular fund and eventually this fund becomes probably the largest uh, uh, within the fund uh, within the amc or probably within the category or probably within the industry and then Uh, a lot of people start calling this as the flagship scheme and then also the amc because it's become reasonably large and there's a lot of in, uh, investor interest a lot of attention goes on this so so overall this is this is probably a a, a fair definition of what uh, becomes a flagship fund understand can we take one example uh, in the recent past uh, that have met all these conditions and become a flagship scheme yeah for example uh, two three years back uh, kotak flexi cap fund had become their uh, uh, flagship fund so, uh, earlier maybe probably three years back if you look at it the, the fund was not probably the a very large fund and it was not it, it was doing decently but it was not in the radar of everybody then all of a sudden uh, the fund drastically uh, 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 started performing really well and then a lot of attention uh, uh, was there and then if you look at the consistency parameters it was there in all the uh, mutual fund rating uh, any anybody who was rating it it came in the in the top and then eventually there was a lot of marketing around it and then then the fund became very very large at some point in time it was the largest uh, uh, flexi cap fund uh, within the entire uh, mf space so this is probably one classic case and earlier it was hdfc uh, flexi cap there were mirais uh, a lot of funds from mirai large cap was one example so you, you every 2 3 years and then axis blue chip is again uh, uh, yet another example so you would always find that in different uh, market uh, in different periods there'll be different uh, funds from different fund houses which which end up becoming flagships understand i'm really glad that you uh, talked about kotak flexi cap fund and hdfc fund schemes i really want to uh, talk a 
talk, talk in more detail about these funds but before we get in there uh, arun um, you know you know my colleague neel borati who is heading the personal finance department at mint and i did some analysis so for each calendar year from 2014 to 2018 uh, one or two schemes have been chosen based on the highest increase in their uh, asset uh, assets under management uh, since you all also said that you know flagship schemes will see uh, increase in the aum so we've chosen uh, you know uh, some of the top schemes with highest increase in the aum from 2014 to 2018 um, so also based on uh, the popularity of the fund in each year so we filtered about seven schemes and considered them as flagship uh, flagship uh, or the star funds for our analysis so when we looked at the performance of these schemes in the year of them becoming a star fund and in the three years uh, following that what we have noticed is that the outperformance over the category average shrank for most funds so for example say a fund house has a fund x has delivered about uh, you know uh, six basis points extra return when compared to its category average in the three years after that it has just given two uh, two percentage points more than the category average or sometimes even underperformed why do you think not all star funds cannot sustain its outperformance in long run yeah so so more than the, the see in, in effect the star funds or uh, uh, the flagship funds are a uh, uh, is a fancy way of saying that these are funds which have done uh, really well in recent times right so so net net it's recent outperformers but just that they belong to fund houses which have been able to market it well and also garner a lot of investor attention and hence there is also a lot of aum growth but technically it's a it's a recent outperformers right so we also did an uh, interesting study recently where we looked at all, uh, uh, we took all three-year periods and and also analyzed the next three-year periods. We look at all calendar year starting from 2002, say from 2002 to two, three, four, which was the top uh, performing quartile funds, and what happened to them after three years, and then again uh, uh, so on and so forth till uh, the current times. So just to give you a sense, like uh, uh, say we took uh, recently, if you if you look at the time period between. Uh, 2016 to 18, we took the top 25% of the funds, which came in the top quartile. And then we asked ourselves the question that how many of these funds actually continue to be in the top quartile in the next three years? So, so any guesses, what percentage do you think actually uh, stayed in the top quartile over the next three years, which is between 19, 20, 21. So if you look at the three year of, uh, we took all the top quartile funds from 16, 17, 18, which is those three years, uh, December 18, which was the top performing three year funds. And yeah. the question we asked was in 21, what, how many of them were continuing to be in the top quarter? Any guesses, uh, Sadhya, you want to take? Uh, I will take a very easy guess, Arun, maybe uh, 50%. <laughs> <laughs> actually it turned out to be far lower it was only 22 percent so we oh were also God. a kind of uh, uh, the okay. number was very very low so mostly we were expecting at least say a 40 50 60 percent like what you were saying so we said okay uh, uh, this is just one it's period and it's, it'll be it won't, it won't be the right uh, way to look at it so we also went ahead and then looked at all the periods so 2002 to 4 how much continued between 2005 to 7 and again 3 to 5 and then what continued in 6 to 8. So on an average, we found that uh, uh, the average was 27%. So roughly uh, out of, uh, out of say, 10 funds that come in the top 10, only three funds end up uh, remaining in the, in the top quartile over the next three years. Then we said, what if we extend the time frame for, say, five years? 
in fact they, it, it reduced more than it, it, instead of 27% for 3 year now the average was only 19% and uh, and and there were certain uh, years where there was almost zero funds uh, replicating in the next 3 uh, years or the next 5 years so overall uh, so overall the sense that we got was that past performance uh, is is not probably the only indicator that you should see because the odds of this repeating is very very uh, uh, low over the next 3 uh, or 5 years and so this is exactly what is happening with the flagship uh, schemes as well now the obvious question is why does this happen why is performance not repeating like and there's there's a lot of cyclicality involved so there are four uh, different types of uh, cycles that uh, we need to uh, we need to be aware of before we pick mutual funds one is there is there's, there are different investment styles like there are there are fund managers who are more oriented towards high quality stocks fund manager who are more oriented towards uh, growth uh, oriented stocks fund manager who are more oriented towards the contrarian or the value style and all these styles have go through periods of underperformance and go through periods of outperformance if the fund manager is doing a decent job the idea is that the periods of outperformance will more than compensate for what they underperformed during their periods but all of them go through this cyclicality again you see the same cyclicality between small cap mid cap and the large cap there'll be periods where small and mid caps do extremely well then there'll be periods where they do uh, they underperform the large cap again these are cycles and then you will see cycles across sectors there'll be a bunch of sectors which do really well and the the leaders or the leadership uh, as they are called it will suddenly change to a different set of sectors in the next cycle so this is again another cyclicality then overall the global cycles also played uh, like uh, uh, 2000 to 2010 india was doing really well 2010 to uh, uh, 20 us was doing really well so almost the performance would look like it is reversed like in 2000 to 2010 us was probably doing really bad so so there is also cyclicality between uh, so so when you when you are picking a fund you also need to uh, ensure or you need to be aware saying what is my fund is is it more quality is it more growth or is it more value is it more small cap mid cap large cap and what kind of sectors is the fund playing out for and and are there any global tilts within the there are fund houses which which have some exposure to global as well right so so overall if you put all these four together and then overlay or get a sense of where we are in the cycle then you also know that the depending on where you are in the cycle there's a good chance that the fund may outperform continue to outperform or underperform but the point is all funds will go through their underperformance especially active funds it's it's a given uh, but you obviously the, the real question is how do we differentiate the a uh, bad underperformance versus genuine uh, underperformance which can be attributed to the site that it's often uh, you know repeated phrase which is past performance uh, do not guarantee future uh, returns that's absolutely taken the second why these flagship schemes underperform uh, after becoming you know the star funds is that or uh, one thing that you attributed this to is the market cycles so you are saying that each fund will have a you know one uh, style say suppose quality value growth and and not all cycles outperform in during all time periods so this is an external factor so aem does does increase in aem have any impact on the performance of the fund yeah internally we'll have to look at two things one uh, uh, is the fund manager continuing to stick to the process because sometimes what happens is you you are uh, let's say you are a you are a fast bowler and then suddenly the pitch is not favorable for fast bowling you can't suddenly become a, a spinner right because you are naturally you have you trained to become a fast bowler so there will be pitches which will be 
favorable to you but we don't want somebody who suddenly goes into spin suddenly goes into work because that's, that's not nice that's not the way it works right yeah, so right. so so the first thing we look out for is is the fund manager panicking because there'll be immense pressure from the system right because you'll be underperforming everybody will be asking you questions then you will you'll be written off like 2 3 years you will be uh, you'll be the hero and then suddenly you will become the zero so there's immense pressure from the system so we'll also need to see if the fund manager is able to stick to his process and as long as they stick to a process then we are comfortable sticking with the underperformance and the second most important part is sometimes size becomes a big concern now while there are no a uh, standard rules which say hey if you if you uh, cross this particular aem then it's a problem but you can rough it becomes more of a problem especially in mid and small caps and the key point is more than the size if the inflows are super fast so let's say if you are a 10000 crore fund and you are getting 2000 3000 crores every month then it becomes insanely difficult because like your your aem is significantly growing fast right and and so so what usually fund houses do is especially the mid and small cap funds they'll close their uh, funds if they if they find that the aum flows are too too high to uh, uh, to absorb and usually what happens is when you are when you have outperformed it generally means that there's also the cycle which is in favor of you and usually you will the valuations will be on the higher side and and suddenly you will get a lot more money it's all it it be like almost the entire uh, aum that you have got till date you will suddenly get it in the next 6 months to 1 year so that entire amount you will be forced to deploy uh, in the next 6 months and you might not get the comfortable valuations and all that so some lot of fund houses take a call and then they 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 get their funds where they say that uh, only sips will be allowed and even there i'll probably reduce the amount of so these are so size is definitely a constraint the pace of aum growth or pace of inflows will also become a a large country so this again you will need to put in context with what the fund style is and the market scenario and then take a call so this is there's no defined rules but but yeah but this is obviously as you told this is again uh, uh, this can also uh, lead to uh, some underperformance in the fund understand uh, i remember last time when we were discussing you were saying that you know the flexibility for the fund manager will be lost you know with the increase in uh, size of the aum and also you know the fast pace at which the aum is increasing So, yeah the way we think about it like suddenly if you give michael schumacher a, a big truck to uh, drive right he might be the uh, best car racer but still right. a truck is a large it's a, it's a completely different vehicle altogether exactly. so so all we need to understand is that like uh, is he still driving the the nimble race car or is it become a, a slightly bigger car or has it become like a truck then then obviously uh, uh, whatever be his skills it becomes difficult so that will be very dependent on the category and the fund manager style but but yeah that's how we think about size is definitely an issue and i think warren buffet has also told that uh, size is an issue and and for them also it's it's it's, it's becoming an issue understand sure uh, arun now let's talk about uh, fund wise you know i'll talk about i'll tell you a, a few fund names which have which we have filtered so tell us your views about why that fund has become a flagship scheme in the first place and how uh, how has its performance uh, been in the recent past so let's start with the hdfc flexi and the mid cap opportunity fund uh, so especially hdfc flexi cap this has been one of the uh, you know most favored uh, project in 2014 and uh, slowly the outperformance then was really good but slowly slowly uh, it has been uh, uh, you know showing uh, signs of stress of underperformance and again it's slowly coming back now so what what are your thoughts on this fund 
See, broadly, when you look at uh, the HDFC fund, they have a long vintage. So, they have a proven track record of uh, building out performance over a long... They became the flagship, especially uh, because they had uh, they they had avoided all the uh, overvalued or the uh, overvalued segments and, and especially the bubble which happened in 2007-2008. They had avoided the, the, the real bad parts of the market and they had, they had positioned themselves for the... Uh, for the next cycle and and that played out while while it took some time to play out they went through their own periods of underperformance but when they outperformed they did significantly well so if you look at the 2012-13 period and you look at the past three year five year returns then you will find that almost all hdfc funds were there in the top so any any rating process would eventually would have uh, uh, put them on top and and obviously hdfc is a is a is a large brand with a proven track record so everything fell in place and then it became it became one of the largest funds in india and then i think what really happened was uh, the call was that the, the economic cycle would turn and hence uh, you will and and the uh, the defensives or the fmcg consumer names were getting more expensive so the the overall tilt became towards the uh, economic recovery oriented stock which was predominantly the cyclical uh, led, uh, related stocks and that call didn't play out because there was some uh, event or the other which was happening 16 there was demon then there was an nbfc crisis then uh, in, in 17 there was probably gst then we had covid so something or the other kept coming on and then this this whole cycle got extended by almost like a very almost like 3 4 years right and i remember almost all all analysts were saying that earnings growth will will start picking up will start picking up by the time it it really picked up it was almost 2021 so almost there was a 4 5 year delay and it was not just hdfc a lot of fund managers who had done really well in the previous cycle between 2003 to uh, 12 cycle most of them uh, uh, had position and so this was one of the major uh, reasons why uh, they were very early on their uh, call that the the cycle would turn and the the leadership would change and right now they are again coming in the performance is improving because the, the good thing was they stuck to their call though they were underperforming they stuck to their uh, process and right now you're seeing that most of their funds are and hgfc midcap again had this issue of size as well the size was reasonably large but they had a low churn but net net it was it was very very large compared to any of their peers now obviously nobody will come out and tell that it is an issue but but from a uh, from a midcap point of view the size was definitely and a lot of funds were closing at far lower sizes so so that also might have been a problem okay to put it simply i mean why do you think uh, size is a problem for a mid cap fund is it because uh, when there is a higher amount uh, deploying that amount will be difficult is it yeah is because it uh, yeah yeah mid cap stocks are generally the size is far lower so let's say if you had to deploy 500 crores or 1000 crores uh, then you will you will end up buying a large part of the uh, the small company, which means that it's very difficult to actually uh, uh, buy. And it will probably, if, if it is a large cap stock, you could have probably brought it in one or two days. Now to build the same exposure in a mid cap stock, especially if you're a larger size fund, might take you say 15 days, 20 days or 30 days. And it's, it's not easy to buy. And at the same time to sell is also, let's say for some reason you have some redemption pressures. It's not easy to sell it off immediately because there are no, uh, the liquidity is not too high. And especially in, in, in market uh, panic scenarios, the liquidity also dries up. So both buying is becomes uh, difficult and selling also becomes difficult. So more or less, it has to be a very low churn 
a buy and hold kind of a portfolio especially if you have to manage the size so you your ability to take these tactical bets where you suddenly uh, get into a sector probably play it for one year and then move out uh, becomes incrementally difficult especially at larges and for small caps it will become even more difficult so so yeah so that's the reason why uh, we think size becomes more of a constraint uh, in these two categories interesting interesting so uh, going back to the uh, topic in hand where we where we were discussing about the hdfc uh, mutual fund style of investing i think uh, arun icici through uh, you know value discovery fund also uh, comes into this category right where it was outperforming most of the other funds uh, because of the value style that it was following but uh, has been a laggard for a long time um, because of sticking to its very core uh, philosophy of uh, going for the value stocks is that so yeah yeah if you look at hdfc and uh, uh, ipru right more or less they are these uh, their style is to be a little more contrarian and to uh, move towards value and and so if you look at the underperformance phase also more or less it would be pretty similar except for the fact that uh, 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 value discovery was earlier uh, mostly run like a mid cap fund and eventually i think probably around 16 17 they they uh, they got a lot more large cap oriented now it's more like a, a typical flexi cap fund so when you look at the long term performance you also had the added advantage of uh, uh, mid caps which which did really well in the 13 14 15 uh, period so so barring that if you look at the last 3 4 years uh, uh, there's been a significant pickup in ipro value discovery post the Uh, uh november october 2020 phase but if you look if you look at three year performance at that juncture it would have it would it would be really weak and that is in line with the fact that uh, they were positioning for the unloved sectors in the market and that's how uh, generally the contrarian style works you wait for a long period and then there'll be one or two years will where you will more than make up for that and now if you see the suddenly the three year five year performance everything seems to uh, fall in place and it 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 it, it started to outperform so a typical part of the cycle understand understand uh, though these are the good funds we appreciate some consistency in the performance also arun let me ask some tough question do you still recommend these funds uh, hcfc flexi or icicf to value discovery to your clients yeah so we have uh, as a part of a preferred fund see, see the way we uh, uh, we build our portfolios is that we diversify across styles so because we fundamentally know that all funds will have to go through their periods of underperformance and very difficult to figure out which uh, style will work out when right so what we essentially do just like how an indian cricket team builds their uh, team right there is a fast bowler there is a medium pacer there is a leg spinner there is an off spin prop there is a global uh, like the ipl you have a global player also so what we essentially do is we put somebody who can play the the contrarian style we put somebody who can play the quality style somebody who can who more like a blended uh, uh, growth at reasonable price kind of a style and somebody who's on the mid and small cap and somebody who can uh, give us global exposure so once we put all these five together we find that somebody or the other at least three styles kind of work every year now which style works in which year is very difficult because right now there are at least 100 different environments that can uh, play out over the next one year two year right if suddenly russia uh, ukraine war happened and then metal prices or commodity prices shot up now nobody knew that this would happen so what will happen maybe uh, inflation might shoot up or probably inflation might come down there are 100 different scenarios so whole idea is that when you put together these five different uh, uh, investment approaches or investment styles 
then you end up ensuring that in all different environment you at least have two or three firing and over a five year seven year cycle uh, because something or the other is always firing you are also able to stick to your portfolio so over a five to seven year uh, time frame we've seen that you end up uh, uh, getting a decent outperformance over your benchmark so that's how we think through it so this is a part of the the value bucket that we do so it's not like 100% will go into this 20% of your 100 rupees uh, in your equity portfolio will probably get into these types this is very very interesting uh, arun uh, but let me get to that in a short while but before that what is your view on uh, you know as discussed earlier the kotak uh, flexi cap fund uh, how is it performing it's it's one of the as you said it's one of the very uh, good uh, schemes uh, that was coming up in 2017 so what's your view on that fund yeah see our sense was that uh, see we really like the fund manager uh, harsha who manages the fund and he's he's built a, a, a long track record in in managing his style is more of a, a sector rotation kind of a style where he picks on sectors and then uh, 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 tries to move in and out of sectors slightly on an aggressive manner so it it is slightly a, a more aggressive uh, uh, style and hence the size was obviously becoming a constraint we we found that he also manages another fund which is at a far lower size so our broad call was that uh, we can play the same fund manager but with far more flexibility at the lower size so there was there's another fund called kotak equity opportunities so we have that as a part of our a blended basket or the the growth at reasonable price basket so so we 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 do not uh, uh, prefer the kotak flexi cap fund uh, anymore because we think the size was uh, a constraint and you can play the same uh, fund manager at a at a lower size uh, and with far more flexibility through the uh, other fund so that's our uh, that's that's right. how we are approaching that uh, segment Sure, sure. So HDFC and ICICI, which is following the value style, the opposite is Axis uh, Mutual Fund, which is following the growth style. So we have yeah. uh, Axis Long Term Equity as one of the you know star funds there. So uh, it has outperformed uh, during that period where the other HDFC and ICICI approved funds are uh, lagging. So and now when value is picking up, Axis is uh, obviously you know uh, not performing well. So what are your views on this fund? access long term yeah the fu- the funny part was in 2020 when we started executing this uh, this diversification across style right access was like everybody only wanted access because the performance was like uh, like really really high right? and we found it very difficult to uh, push the contrarian or the value basket because obviously uh, the value discovery or the hdfc flexies were not doing really well but if you look at the last two years the tables have just turned on the uh, on the extreme now axis is probably the underperforming fund within our basket while hdfc flexi and uh, uh, ipro value discovery has suddenly started to perform so more or less adjusting for the uh, under but if you look at i uh, say uh, axis uh, long term equity fund right? uh, and and if you if you look at it from 2013 14 you'll see that it'll go through periods of significant outperformance where and then suddenly it'll be all over the uh, uh, media and then again it will go through one two years of underperformance i think was there uh, almost all access funds did well the good part is where they are very very focused on their investment style they are probably uh, uh, at in the fact of they they are very very vocal that they they do not uh, uh, put too much of emphasis on valuation comes the last but quality and growth is their primary parameter 
and they are okay to uh, compromise on the valuation front while a contrarian uh, fund manager might say they are okay to uh, compromise on the quality side they they might they might look at psu there there's no they, their thing is quality is still uh, is still a perception right so so here at least underperform but over a cycle we have seen that the outperformance more or less compensates for the underperform so this is a typical part of the cycle so we are not Uh, too worried because they continue to stick to their process. They have not diluted their process, and this is typically happened earlier also. So we are we we don't see any concerns on 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 the managed by the same uh, fund manager, Jinesh uh, Gopani. So so more or less you will see that the performance kind of is very very similar. If you look at the overlap, it will almost be seventy eighty percent. So it's almost like a, a just that one is under tax and one is under focus bucket, but yeah. fairly concentrated portfolios, very large cap oriented funds, and so it's more or less similar. You will find that the performance is very very similar to each other. Understand, Arun? Just last one fund. Uh, I'll not bother you more. <laughs> so it is uh, ABSL, which is Aditya Billa Sun Life's frontline equity fund, which is again considered a very consistent uh, fund a few years ago, but is seen nowhere these days under a lot of pressure to perform or perform uh, even the benchmark as well as the category peers. So yeah, see, I think yeah, I think till fifteen. If you look at any three-year rolling performance or five-year rolling performance over the last ten, fifteen years, right? In two thousand fifteen, if you did any. any of these numbers you will find that uh, absl frontline equity was super consistent it left 100% of the times where it is outperformed and so it was almost there in all uh, uh, wealth managers uh, uh, recommendations and all that but somehow what has happened is uh, there was this 16 17 18 uh, which was a very tough phase for most of the large cap fund managers because uh, a few stocks the 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 whole whole market was getting a lot more polarized where like the top 10 stocks were contributing to a significant part of the returns where a lot of active funds uh, especially on the large cap side underperformed and on top of it in 2018 there was a clear demarcation where sebi told that hey uh, the you, there is going to be a clear definition because earlier your large cap fund might have 30% mid cap but you might say hey th- this is large cap according to me because there's no a uh, definition of what constitutes a large cap stock but yeah. then post sebi's uh, uh, mandate that 80% will compulsorily have to be in the top 100 uh, stocks uh, as per market cap then the universe also narrowed so broadly if you look at it almost 60% there is an overlap uh, with the benchmark uh, nifty 50 or nifty 100 50 uh, almost 50 to 60% there is a high overlap so with the remaining 40% differentiated portfolio to outperform an index Uh, especially given the cost differential uh, becomes very very difficult so you have seen not just absl frontline you've seen most of the large cap active funds uh, uh, large caps it's it's better to play through index and the differential is going to be very very uh, uh, narrow so now coming to the portfolio construction where you've said that you include uh, various styles of uh, funds uh, following different uh, you know um, investment philosophies Do you really think that will uh, smoothen the portfolio return experience, uh, Arun? Yeah. So, see, so the way we 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 thought about it is very simple. That all active funds, right? Any investment style that uh, you want to participate in, over a five seven year a uh, 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 five seven year cycle, if you have if you manage to identify a good fund, there's a there's a very very strong odds of outperforming. But the point is, uh, a lot of us are not able to stick to that. a 7 year time frame because 
inevitably there will be a 2 3 year period of underperformance which comes in and then eventually we see that hey this is underperform hence my fund is doing bad and i move on to another fund which is outperforming then that outperforming fund again goes through its cycle so you are moving in and out but you end up getting uh, even lower returns than passive so if you are too concerned then it's it's always better to go for passive if if this is your problem but again passive also the problem is that you go to passive and then you suddenly find that some active funds are doing really well then again you get confused and then again you move into uh, active so so the point is the this whole chase of performance uh, ends up uh, doing too many activities and so so the way we want to try and solve for it is if you have to build an active uh, uh, a set of fund managers who have, who have built a strong track record of delivering over 5 7 years but how do we ensure that we are able to survive the underperformance because all said and done uh, it's it's very difficult right so so that's why we combine the five together now we uh, now most of our clients are able to appreciate it because they were initially reluctant to put into the value or the contrarian basket now they have seen that now when they see axis under or, or the quality basket underperforming they still okay that at some point in this will again fire but nice. as a construct they are able to appreciate it better uh, rather than because otherwise if i say styles and all that it still seems very theoretical and all nice. that but when they see it live in their portfolio so net net the idea is can we elongate the time frame uh, that we give to a fund manager and the whole idea is as long as the fund manager is sticking to the process and framework we will stick to the fund manager and can we make our clients also stick to them so this construct brilliant uh, has helped us a lot in this and it's worked out well also understand for someone who is not able to pick you know different styles of funds uh, a retail investor uh, who is not uh, having any financial advice from a distributor or any uh, investment advisor so if they can't pick uh, you know different styles and if they are not okay with the volatility then it is better they stick to the passive funds right yeah yeah because passive makes it a lot easier see but the key point in passive is that see it, it's more to do with the behavioral part of it it's a fairly simple thing right when you say passive all that you're doing is you are picking the top 50 stocks or top 100 stocks you are essentially arranging these stocks as per their size and then you are giving it a weightage according to the size so you basically saying a larger stock is better than a smaller stock so hence i'll give more weightage to a larger it's a simple rule and you apply it on a six month basis you keep rejigging which is what the passive index does for you and the key point is once you once you enter with this construct then you don't look at active funds and then say that hey this set of active funds have suddenly and un- outperformed right. yeah so overall the idea is that whether you are into passive or active both uh, have their own behavioral challenges if you are into passive then you shouldn't suddenly start comparing with an active because inevitably there'll be uh some active fund which will which will outperform by a large margin so suddenly you again uh, 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 get worried or you regret that you weren't a part then you again get so that's the challenge in both of these so it's more to do with behavior but otherwise my sense is if you stick for a 5 year 7 year time frame mm-hmm. uh, either way you will end up with a very very decent outcome provided for both of these you understand the the behavioral uh, uh, challenges required to stick to that uh, plan Great, great. Thank you so much, Arun. That's all from my side today. Uh, thank you so much sure. for you know for your detailed answers for each fund and also the overall portfolio construction. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much, Satya. That's all for now in this episode, listeners. If you have any queries or suggestions, you can reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Satya Sontanam. S A T Y A S O N T A N A M. or you can also write to us at mintmoney@livemint.com bye bye
This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.